This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. You are listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. the Oracle of the Action Network and Rotoviz. Welcome to the March 2nd, 2018 NASCAR edition of On the Daily. I'm joined by Dr. Nick Giffen, an owner of Rotoviz, a PhD in mathematics, a three time qualifier for the DraftKings NASCAR main event, and one of the best NASCAR DFS players in the world. You can follow him on Twitter at Rotodoc. Nick, how's it going? Hey, Matt, I am doing great. Man, the, it, a lot of stuff going on in Vegas this weekend. Uh, the NASCAR race, of course. All three series are racing at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. So the trucks, Xfinity, and the Cup Series are all racing. Uh, also, we got the Rugby Sevens in town in Las Vegas. So uh, I was hoping to check that out, but unfortunately, it was the same weekend as the NASCAR races. So I'm not going to be able to check out the Rugby Sevens. I am going to the Rugby World Cup in July, though, in San Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Francisco, So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and then, um, yeah, just just a bunch going on in Vegas, and uh, it'll be it'll be a great weekend of racing. Yeah, I didn't know you were a rugby fan. Yeah, I love rugby. Um, one of my best friends, um, who I met when I was in grad school, he went to grad school at Duke. Um, I went to grad school at NC State. He played a lot of rugby, so he got me really into into rugby. And uh, in undergrad, I lived with three rugby players as well. So uh, I'm definitely of the rugby persuasion, you might say. <laughs> of the rugby persuasion. Uh, it's like curling, except, you know, it's not. It's just uh, like a niche niche sport that I enjoy. Yeah. Um, when you were living with the rugby players, did you find that they partied harder than, you know, like other athletes? Yeah. So uh, there was um, a rugby house at James Madison University, and uh, they always threw the craziest parties. The three rugby players I lived were, I guess, on the calmer side, and we didn't host any rugby parties, thankfully, but uh, the rugby parties were certainly insane yes hashtag rugby life uh okay let's launch into the show so earlier this week we previewed this weekend's nascar cup race at las vegas motor speedway so be sure to check out that midweek podcast uh we talk about a lot of things specifically the statistics that have proven most predictive for this race so definitely check out the midweek pod uh nick as we're recording this qualifying uh has just recently ended uh, so we are here to break down the slate in more depth. Uh, what are your instant reactions uh, given qualifying and what we saw in early practice? Yeah, my instant reaction is uh, I don't know what the hell Brad Keselowski was complaining about at the end of last year where the Fords are going to be at a disadvantage because they seem to be the manufactured beat 
They were the manufacturer to be at, at uh, Daytona. Looked like they were the best manufacturer this past weekend uh, at Atlanta. And so far at Vegas, they look like the manufacturer to beat as well. So, uh, you know, Brad Keselowski, um, just because you guys didn't get a new car doesn't mean you guys can't have the fastest cars. So quit your bitching. That's it. I thought there was going to be so much more after that. I was, uh, I mean. That, that's that's my instant reaction, man. Um, Fords are Fords are pretty good, so. I mean, full um, disclosure, I uh, had you on, uh, oh, I had my microphone muted, uh, and I was racing to my bookie to bet on Fords this weekend while you were <laughs> So that's, that was. That's uh, probably not a bad bet. I think um, when they opened, I think they were actually, I don't know if you have the lines open now, but uh, I think when they opened, they were uh, the longest odds. They were behind Toyota and Chevy, which I thought was kind of strange. Yeah, there's uh there's been some interesting lines on uh, manufacturers. I'm sure that will start to get straightened out as the season progresses. But uh, yeah, so something that people might want to check out there. Um, all right, you talked about Fords looking like the dominant manufacturers. Uh, how are the Chevys faring after the struggles at Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, definitely at Atlanta, we saw how much the Chevys struggled. Chase Elliott was able to work his way into the top 10 with a little bit of uh, strategy, but uh, it wasn't a great showing for Chevy this weekend at Vegas. If you look at just the practice times, it looks like they might be okay given Kyle Larson was first, William Byron was fifth, Chase Elliott was ninth. But uh, you kind of start to scroll down and you see most of the Chevys are all the way there in the, the middle or back half of the field. You got, you know, Newman only practiced 17th after he practiced, you know, second or first last week. Jimmy Johnson, 19th, Alex Bowman, 21st. These are, you know, Johnson and Bowman are Hendrick guys there, and uh, they didn't have super fast practices. Chris Buescher, Casey Kane, Darrell Walls Jr., Austin Dillon, A.J. Allmendinger, Ty Dillon, all practiced between 23rd and 29th. Um, so they still seem to be struggling, and then, you you know, you flip over to qualifying as well, and you only got two Chevys making the final round of qualifying, those being the same two Chevys that were fastest uh, in last weekend's Atlanta race, Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. So... They seem to be kind of carrying the torch for the Chevys, but uh, the Chevys really do seem to be behind still. So, um, you know, a little bit of tough sledding in the early going for the new Camaro. Okay, let's uh, talk a little bit about Martin Truex Jr. Uh, he won the race last year. Um, he had the 11th fastest time in opening practice. He qualified fourth, and he was one of the drivers that you highlighted earlier in the week as someone to watch. What are your thoughts about him now? Yeah, um, I think uh, because the Fords look like they are the dominant manufacturer, I think you do downgrade Truex a little bit um, compared to what we would, you know, normally expect from him. I guess uh, he, you know, he's a driver that I think um, really we need him to dominate if he's qualifying fourth. We need him to dominate a portion of the race to be worth playing. Um, so he's $10,500 in salary, and if he doesn't have a period of dominance in this race, he's not going to be worth it, and he's got three Fords starting in front of him, so it'll be tough to overcome them if these Fords are actually better than the Toyotas. So we still want to check out final the final two practices. We have two practices on Sunday at, at Las Vegas, uh, so we'll check out the single lap and especially the 10-lap averages. The single lap doesn't actually even show up in the model as a significant factor, so check out 10-lap averages in final practice um, and, and we'll see if Truex has gained any ground on, on the, you know, or the Toyota's gained any ground on the Fords. But right now I might actually downgrade him a little bit at his, 
uh, current salary of 10,500. If he doesn't dominate, he's probably not worth playing. Um, so we'll have to see how final practice shakes out. Doesn't mean, you know, if you're multi-entering, you should have no Truex. You should definitely still have some Truex exposure. I just think it might be a little like, you know, for, we're so early in the season and the model is really reliant on last year's data, track type data, and then overall data uh, that Truex may be a little overinflated by the model just because right now the Fords are probably, um, you know, being, I guess, a little underrated by the model. And, and if they perform better, it really should knock Truex down a little bit. So uh, we'll have to see. But my gut instinct early on says um, Truex might be too highly owned relative to his potential for dominance, but we'll see. Uh, I have a question about the Chevys. Uh, how long do you think into this season? I guess two things. How long do you think it will take the uh, the general market? So uh, DraftKings setting the salaries, Vegas setting lines. How long do you think it will take the market to adjust to the Chevys being not quite as good as they were last year? And then how long do you think it will also take uh, the Chevys and, and the teams working on the cars to improve the cars? Yeah, that's a really good question. My, my my first feeling on the market is, you know, I think they should, after this race, if the Chevys are still struggling, they should be adjusting for that. Whether they will or not, we will see. Uh, next weekend's race is going to be at Phoenix, which is a one-mile track, a little bit different. So we'll actually also have to see how Chevys perform in a different situation at a one-mile track where you know, top speed isn't as important and aerodynamics maybe aren't as important, but mechanical grip is more important. Um, we'll have to see, do the Chevys have a disadvantage there as well? Um, so, you know, maybe they should be adjusting already, but uh, it's kind of hard to say because we haven't tested some of these other tracks, the mile oval at Phoenix. After that, we'll go to the two mile oval uh, at Auto Club Speedway, which is also a tie higher wear track, um, kind of like Atlanta was. So we'll, I think, after Phoenix, we really should have everything should be adjusted, in my opinion. Whether the markets will, I don't know, but I think they should. When will Chevy catch up to to Ford and Toyota? That probably could take a third or a halfway into the season. We saw last year with the Toyotas, um, you know, they struggled in the first third of the season. And you know, struggles a relative term. I mean, Martin Truex Jr. still won the race at Las Vegas. But I think that was their only win in the first 10 races of the season until they started reeling off a bunch of wins later in the season as they improved their Camry um, because, you know, they introduced a new model of the Camry last year, like Chevy's introducing a new model of the, the Camaro. Um, Toyota was able to redo their bodies last year and made some gains partway through the season. So I think if we don't see Chevy starting to improve after about a third of the season, we could be really concerned for the rest of the season as well. It's interesting. Uh, let's talk about Kyle Busch. So he qualified 13th, uh, but he was the fourth fastest in opening practice, and he was one of the drivers you highlighted in the midweek show. Uh, what is your take on him right now? Yeah, so again, we got another Toyota driver here, Kyle Busch, and this is his home track. He's from Las Vegas, so uh, he always wants to win here. He has performed well here in the past. Um, but he did qualify 13th. That is an interesting starting spot for him because he should move th forward through the field, should pass some of these guys in front of him. Uh, the question is, will he make it far enough forward? Will he lead some laps? Will he get enough fastest laps to end up in the winning lineup? There's a very good chance of that happening, you know, I think just through the way races have, have, have many different possibilities of playing out. So I do like using Kyle Busch at this point in the weekend. You mentioned fourth fastest in opening practice. If he shows that kind of speed over a long run in practice two and practice three, 
definitely I think Kyle Busch would be a driver worth playing, even though he's not in a forward. I mean, you can't just only stick forwards in your lineups all the time. Obviously, last weekend, um, the winning lineup didn't just have all forwards. So uh, I think I think it's um, pretty neat that uh, we've got this manufacturer thing going and uh, kind of these big names, Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch. We think about, like, maybe do we downgrade them because they aren't in the best car right now uh, or the best manufacturer right now. Well, um, in Truex's case, because of where he's starting and and the probability of dominance and, and having fewer place differential potential, I think it's a downgrade a bit for him. With Kyle Busch, I don't think it's as much of a downgrade for him because he starts 13th. So there's still 12 place differential potential spots for him uh, if he were to win the race. And if he does win the race, obviously, he's going to be leading at least one lap, probably a lot more. So uh, I do like Kyle Busch a lot still this weekend. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Okay, uh, so many more drivers to get to. But before that, I want to remind everyone that you can get a 30% discount to a special NASCAR pass through our NASCAR podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash NASCAR podcast. With that pass, you get unlimited access to all of Nick's premium NASCAR content and your subscription supports the pod. Also, remember that Nick is going to be writing a betting article breaking down the odds to win at the Action Network. I will also have an article this weekend looking at head-to-head props, so be sure to check those out. Uh, Nick, continuing. One name you talked about uh, was Jimmy Johnson, uh, seven-time cup champion, specifically mentioned the idea of maybe avoiding him. Uh, He qualified 14th. Is he still someone that you were thinking about fading? Uh, Actually, yes. I think think he's a driver I am thinking about fading. 14th is kind of an awkward position because you're not far enough forward to be really considered a dominator. You're not starting back in the 20s. Now, there's still plenty of place differential potential with Johnson, but, uh, you know, what is realistically is he going to do in this race if the Chevys are behind, if he's behind? I mean, his opening practice speed wasn't very quick. It was only 19th quickest. Uh, and so if he's continuing to struggle, um, you know, and he also has kind of struggled at this track type over the past half season or full season even uh these mile and a halfs i think jimmy johnson is probably a driver we should be avoiding still even in this 14th qualifying position because it's not enough far enough back for me to say well you can go from 24th to to 8th but 14th to 8th really isn't anything uh i mean i guess not nothing but it's not probably not a winning lineup type thing without some extra fastest laps the one saving grace of course is his salary is 8900 which puts him at the bottom tier of kind of like this top tier of drivers because after him there is a uh, $400 gap well there's a $200 gap to Blaney and then another $200 gap to Kurt Busch uh and and then another $200 gap to Eric Jones but uh I mean really kind of you're considering Jimmy Johnson as the lowest priced driver of these top tier drivers so there's some value there but uh, he's probably a driver I will have 
I wouldn't say a lot of this weekend. Now I'll have to see what the model thinks, what the market thinks, how he practices. Um, but if he's somehow the model projects him to be 10 or 15 percent owned, maybe it's not a bad idea to go overweight on him. But if you know the model projection be 20 percent owned or something like that, then uh, I don't mind being a little bit underweight on Jimmy Johnson. Okay, earlier in the week, you talked about the trio of Jamie McMurray, Kurt Busch, Eric Jones. You mentioned that they have similar track type history and they're in similar price ranges. Uh, how are you ordering them right now, given what we've seen in opening practice and qualifying? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I guess there's two kinds of ordering. One, how do we expect them to perform in the race? But two, for for uh, you know for DraftKings purposes, how do we expect them to do on DraftKings? Because how you perform in the race obviously is very different than how you perform in DraftKings. A lot of it just based off the fact that you you know, qualify in different positions. So um, Jamie McMurray actually is is a pretty nice discount, and he starts 22nd to the other couple drivers there, uh, Kurt Busch and Eric Jones. But he is in that Chevy, which seems to be a bit slower. We do know his teammate Kyle Larson is capable of putting top 10 times. Uh, and Jamie McMurray actually has the best track type history of the three drivers here. Jamie McMurray, Kurt Busch, and Eric Jones. So in terms of performance, I expect him to be third of these three drivers. But in DraftKings, I think he's probably the best pick uh, if he you know, maxes out his potential here, going from 22nd starting position to maybe a top 12 finish. I mean, a 12th place finish would be... Uh, 10 place differential points plus 32 uh, finishing position points. That's 42 points there uh, at $7,400 is very nice. Then you've got Kurt Busch and Eric Jones who, um, you know, are, are in the Toyota and the Ford, sorry, the Ford and the Toyota respectively for Kurt Busch and Eric Jones. Um, so Kurt Busch and that Ford qualified third. Uh, it's going to be tough for him to, I guess, dominate when you've got you know, Ryan Blaney starting first. You've got Kevin Harvick starting second. You've got Martin Truex Jr. starting fourth. Um, so, you know, Kurt Busch is in a situation where I think he, he may perform the best just because he's in that forward and he has a very similar track type history to Eric Jones. A lot more experienced home track for him uh, as well, being, you know, Kyle Busch's brother, older brother. Um, they're both from Vegas. So I, th I expect him to perform the best, but for DraftKings, I think Eric Jones is the better play just because he starts ninth instead of third and has the chance to come forward a little bit more than Kurt Busch. I don't foresee either of them uh, necessarily dominating. It's not impossible that either of them has a period where they dominate in the race, but I give them probably equal probabilities. And in that case, I would take the guy starting a little bit further back, even though he is in that Toyota, which is probably a little inferior to the Ford. Uh, I just like that little added place differential. Um, they're, Basically the same price, 85 and 8300 for Bush and Jones, respectively. Uh, so the kind of the way I ex I prefer these three drivers in DraftKings is the opposite of how I expect them to perform in the race. Okay, are there any drivers uh, whose performances, either in qualifying or in practice, uh, have kind of surprised you in relation to their track type history? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm just guessing to keep harping on this guy all year. Uh, it's my boy Paul Menard. Practiced third in opening practice, and then uh, in qualifying, he made the final round of qualifying. Um, qualified 12th in the final round of qualifying, so he was the last car of those 12. But he actually was first in the opening round of qualifying. He posted the fastest qualifying speed in the opening round. So there is a lot of speed in that Wood Brothers car. Obviously, they're a Penske affiliate. So we do know he is in much better equipment than he was in last year. Uh, and he really hasn't been price adjusted on DraftKings, whereas Eric Almarola has been price adjusted up to 7,700. Menard's still sitting down there at $6,900 on DraftKings. Um, a 12th place starting position is a little awkward, but if he starts 12th and finishes 8th, I know it's only four place differential, 
but it's four place differential at 6,900 versus, you know, Jimmy Johnson, if he starts 14th and finishes eight, that's six place differential, but it's all the way up at 8,900, a $2,000 difference between the two. And I actually think Menard has the better car. Uh, and, you know, then Johnson does this weekend. And given Johnson's track history, sorry, I should say track type history recently at the large ovals hasn't been that great. I mean, it's better than Menard's. Uh, you know, if you look at Jimmy Johnson's last eight large oval races, he has an 81.8 driver rating, whereas uh, Paul Menard much further down at 61.4. Menard doesn't have great track type history, but he was also in that inferior Richard Childress racing equipment last year. Um, you know, Ryan Newman was also in that Richard Childress racing equipment last year. His last eight large oval races were 62.3. Uh, and then you've got Austin Dillon, who was up at 77.1. So he seems to be the best of those drivers last year at RCR. But this is a big equipment upgrade for Paul Menard. Great in practice, good qualifying. We'll see how he does in the final couple practice sessions. But $6,900 is a steal for a guy who has top 10 potential uh, just because he has a great car. Um, one other name that I guess um, surprised me for the positive was William Byron did qualify fifth or not qualify. He practiced fifth, I should say, uh, in in opening practice. His qualifying was 17th. So um, rookie William Bryant Byron in the 24 car uh, for Hendrick Motorsports. It is a Chevy. So we'll have to, of course, um, maybe say there's a little bit of a manufacturer um, disadvantage there at this point in the season. But if he does end up practicing a lot better then his 17th place qualifying position, right? So if his, his 10 lap averages are top 12 or something like that, um, this is another driver that I think uh, would be interesting to have in some lineups in that 17th place starting position. Okay, so you mentioned there are two guys who, uh, I guess, have outperformed your expectations relative to their track type history. Uh, any drivers who have disappointed or underperformed relative to what you thought they would? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, Trevor Bain last year on the the large ovals was pretty good, especially in the first half of the season. He was really good at the at the large ovals. The second half, um, he only had the 22nd best driver rating. But if we go back to all of last year um, and get driver rating, uh, Trevor Bain's driver rating was actually much higher earlier in the season. So, um, you know, he hasn't been very good this weekend. He's in the Ford, which should be an advantage, but he practiced. 30th in opening practice, only qualified 24th, was outqualified by you know, David Reagan, for example, who qualified 23rd. And we usually think of David Reagan as somebody who straddles the, you know, the Joe Dirt cheap tier there. Um, Reagan, $5,900 this weekend. Trevor Bain, $6,300. So um, not super enthused about Trevor Bain this weekend, um, especially, you know, if he's qualified 30th around where he practiced, maybe I'd feel a little bit better. But he qualified 24th, and I really don't see him having much better than a top 24 car. Uh, okay, let's talk about dominators. Who are the top candidates uh, right now before we see the second practice? Top candidates to dominate the race. Uh, what are your I'm going to have to go, yeah, I'm going to have to go number one with Ryan Blaney over Kevin Harvick. Um, we've seen how good Blaney has been this year, uh, obviously, especially at Daytona, which is a bit of a different beast, but... Um, you know, performed okay at Atlanta, didn't perform great, but this is a very different mile and a half than Atlanta. And if we look at the large ovals last year, Ryan Blaney did very well at them. Uh, if we, if we strictly look, for example, at driver rating, uh, he had the sixth best driver rating last year in the last eight large oval races. So, uh, he, he's a driver who led 9.6% of the laps, uh, on average over those last eight large oval races, which is like kind of the perfect sample size that I like to look at for Las Vegas. Uh, 
So Ryan Blaney, I think, is my number one dominator. Kevin Harvick will be my number two dominator. So kind of just going right there in the order of qualifying. One Blaney, two Harvick. Harvick, 108.7 driver rating last year. 8.7 percent, uh, I should say, at the large ovals of those last eight races. 8.7 percent of the laps led in those last eight large oval races versus Blaney's 9.6. So um, those, you know, those two Fords right there, one and two, will be the ones I give it to. And then third would be Martin Truex Jr. Starting fourth, uh, he was the large oval king last year, um, just an absolute beast. So uh, I definitely have to give Martin Truex Jr. the edge there. Uh, and, um, you know, I think he'll be he'll be my third best dominator there. And I, I misspoke with Ryan Blaney I, uh, in terms of the laps led. I had the filter wrong on the road of his splits app. So make sure you don't have the filter wrong. Uh, he did not. He did not lead 9% of the laps in the last eight large oval races, but uh, he did have a nice driver rating of 91.7, which is good for seventh best instead of sixth best. Okay. Uh, other drivers above 8,500, who do you like? Yeah, uh, so this is an interesting weekend just because um, most of these drivers who are 8,500 and above qualified very far forward. One driver who did not is Danny Hamlin there in 19th place qualifying position. It's crazy because last year he made the top 12, I think it seemed like every weekend uh, in qualifying. And, and so this time he's 19th. Uh, if we look at, you know, large oval history for for uh, Denny Hamlin, it's not quite as good as, uh, um, you know, Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick. But that's the top tier right after that. It's Kyle Busch and then Denny Hamlin over the last eight large oval races. So Denny Hamlin, the fourth best driver rating at the large ovals over the last eight that means that 19th place qualifying position very appealing for Denny Hamlin. Um, I'm going to be, I would be hammering him this weekend if I was playing, but of course I'm going to be at the race, uh, and so I'm not going to take away from my enjoyment there to set lineups. So, um, but I would be hammering Danny Hamlin this weekend, and we'll we'll see in practice as well. But I suspect he'll be pretty quick in practice. We look at his, if we look at his opening practice time, um, Denny Hamlin was 10th best, but of course that's really only he only did five laps. Uh, was probably a qualifying trim lap. We also saw that, you know, obviously didn't qualify super great. So we'll have to see how he does in practice. But I really like the track type history for for Denny Hamlin as a driver who sits there up in the the higher price range. One other name, Joey Logano, qualified 10th. Uh, you know, obviously um, he struggled in the second half of last year. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit different with him with the track type history because it's obviously going to give him a much bigger knock. So I think the model could be a little bit lower on him. Uh, but hopefully, you know, that, that Joey Logano and the Penske's and the Fords in general have recovered. And uh, he is kind of in the lower half of that price tier, uh, you know, of, of 8,500 and above. He's at 9,300. Uh, whereas, you know, somebody like Chase Elliott is 96 or, or Kyle Larson is 98 in those Chevys there. Um, Joey Logano, I think, has the manufacturer advantage relative to those two uh, and uh, a little bit of a price discount. Okay, let's talk about the guys who are in that middle range, say 7,000 to 8,500. Uh, who is intriguing you in cash games and or GPPs? Yeah, well, I think in cash games, um, certainly I talked about Jamie McMurray at 7,400 as a possibility. We'll have to see how things shake out after final practice. Ryan Newman in 25, uh, in 25th place qualifying at 7,100. Uh, at the bottom part of that price range is a possibility. Um, so those are a couple names right there that I don't mind for, for possible cash game consideration. We'll have to see how they do in final practice and what the model thinks of them and everything like that. But uh, Jamie McMurray and Ryan Newman in the Chevys there, uh, if you want to go away from the Chevys, obviously Eric Almarola qualified 29th. He'll be a popular play 
Uh, he could also very well end up in a lot of cash game lineups and, and probably should. Um, but, uh, you know, the the large ovals weren't Eric Almirola's strength last year. He had a 67 driver rating over the last uh, eight large ovals, which isn't great. Um, you know, it puts him to a 5-4-3-2-1, 20th uh, of all the drivers. But he did qualify 29th, and he gets an equipment upgrade versus what he was in last year. So he probably will be like a top 15 uh, maybe 16 driver, uh, you know, we'll have to see how final practice goes, but uh, I would sus- suspect that Eric Almirola will have a much better car there. So a lot of names in this 7K range. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned William Byron was a pleasant surprise, and he starts 17th. He could go underlooked. Daniel Suarez starts 18th. He could go underlooked. These are two names that I think could be underowned in GPPs, and one of these two could end up possibly in the winning GPP lineup would be like a Daniel Suarez or a William Byron. Okay, uh, the sort of quote-unquote value tier, the drivers, 6000 to 7000 Who's standing out right now? Yeah, I mean, um, in terms of performance, Paul Menard stands out at 6900 as we talked about. But uh, in terms of uh, DraftKings possibilities as well, Ty Dillon qualified 31st. He's at uh, $6,500. So it pretty seem, much seems like he will be moving forward, uh, obviously, you know, they, they did struggle this weekend. The Chevys have struggled. Ty Dillon only practiced 29th, but, uh, you know, I guess 29th is better than 31st. And uh, so, you know, kind of a tough tier here in this 6 to 7K range uh, in terms of, of drivers we expect to move forward. There's a lot of these Chevy names in here that we talked about. A.J. Allmendinger in that Chevy. Uh, Ty Dillon, Chevy. Darrell Wallace Jr., Chevy. Uh, Casey Kane, Chevy. So, and they're all starting in this mid-20 range. So it's a range that I think is probably one we're avoiding. Uh, but A.J. Allmendinger did qualify the furthest back of, of these as well, besides Ty Dillon, in 27th. So maybe you can play A.J. Allmendinger as well. But uh, really a tough tier of drivers in this 6 to 7K range. But I wouldn't be surprised to see one uh, one driver from this range end up in the winning lineup as well. It's not out of the question, of course. And if it does happen, it's probably going to be either, uh, my guess would be Ty Dillon or A.J. Allmendinger. Um, and then obviously Paul Menard starting up there in 12th at 6,900. If he does move forward, he should be in the winning lineup as well if he finishes you know, in the top 10. Okay, finally, are there any Joder cheap drivers that you like this weekend? Yes, <laughs> there's one super obvious name. I don't know why he is priced this low. Chris Buescher is fifty seven hundred dollars. Uh, I don't I don't understand the pricing there on Chris Buescher. Um, he did only have the twenty fifth best uh, large oval driver rating um, in you know the last eight large oval races, but that's okay. I mean he's he's in a you know above the Joe Dirt cheap tier in terms of of large oval driver rating. If you look you know at the drivers that were were behind him, um, so I, I said Chris Buescher was twenty fifth. Then you go down there. 26th was A.J. Allmendinger, 27th was McDowell, 28th was Ty Dillon, 29th was David Reagan, 30th was Matthew Benedetto. So, like, he's ahead of all these drivers, but he's priced down there either at or below some of these drivers as well and is, and is better at the large ovals, has probably a little bit better equipment than, um, you know, guys like McDowell or Benedetto or Reagan. Uh, so I think Chris Buescher, a very nice name at uh, $2,800, not 28, 28 starting position, $5,700 on DraftKings. Outside of that, we'll have to see how practice goes. We do have 37 cars in the race. Um, some drivers were exceptionally super slow uh, in, in opening practice. Joey Gase was uh, very, very, very slow. Um, his, he was 1.2 seconds slower than Jeffrey Earnhardt ahead of him. Uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt still was pretty slow at 30.9 seconds for a lap. Greg Galding, uh, 30.6 
Uh, Ross Chastain, 36.6 as well, and then Cole Witt at 30.3. All of those drivers were a full second slower than Matthew Benedetto, who practiced in 32nd. And if you look at qualifying as well, Benedetto did qualify 22nd. All those other drivers qualified behind him. So that does seem to be a, a pretty good ordering of speed. So if you really, really want to dig down into that range, I guess Cole Witt in 34th uh, and um, you know Ross Chastain in 33rd, maybe flip of what what you know could have happened last week where I, you know. I said Ross Chastain over Cole Witt because Chastain started one spot further back. This time, Cole Witt spots, starts one spot further back. So he's probably the better play, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if Chastain just stayed ahead of Cole Witt and, uh, you know, ended up in the winning lineup like Cole Witt did last week in the flip scenario where he started ahead of Chastain and finished one spot ahead of Ross Chastain. Um, we might see that the flip scenario this week. Okay, Nick, you mentioned uh, earlier that you were actually going to be at the race, which is going to be very exciting. Uh, how is that going to impact the content schedule for everything with the Las Vegas race? Yeah, so um, we talked a bit about it on the midweek pod in terms of what it will be, but we hadn't uh, officially finalized when Road of His Live will be. So uh, right after practice ends, I will be updating the model. I will update not only the obviously the projection model for points but also the ownership model throw those into my article get the article published that's usually my first step after any uh final practice weekend um you know where we have a normal practice schedule and qualifying schedule weekend that's my process right after final practice update the model uh update the ownership model get the article out that's number one priority so i do that then i update the apps um so the optimizer will get updated with the model projections uh, the, the NASCAR splits app will be updated. The, the uh, sim scores will be updated because we'll have practice times and qualifying positions. And those are part of the sim scores that we calculate as well. Uh, and then from there, uh, once everything is updated on Rotoviz, uh, I will have a little bit of time to, to figure out, uh, you know, if I want to do the betting article right then um, on Action Network that I'll be submitting for, to, to you guys at Action Network. Uh, or if I want to do it after Road of His Live, because you guys voted Road of His Live to be at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. That was what won the Twitter poll. Um, over 100 voters, so thank you guys a lot for voting in that poll. So Road of His Live will be 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And uh, if betting lines and everything like that are updated enough in time before Road of His Live, uh, I'll do the betting article then. Otherwise, I'll do it right after Road of His Live. Uh, and so in that case, it would probably be out pretty late on Saturday night or Sunday morning whenever you guys uh, get it edited and out. But if the lines are out enough in time and I do it before Road of His Live, I assume the betting article will probably be run Saturday afternoon, evening, something like that. I can't remember. Did you go to the Las Vegas race last year? I did. And it's crazy because it was it was so hot last year. I mean, it was like it was like in the low 80s or something like that. But when the sun is just beating down on you and you're sitting in those uh, stands it was really, really hot. There was not much of a breeze, so it didn't help any. Um, it was in, in, you know, it, normally Las Vegans don't complain about 80 degrees, but when you're sitting there with no breeze, it, it can get a little bit overwhelming, uh, even at 80 something degrees. This year, it's supposed to be only like 58 for the high. Uh, it's going to be sunny again and, and uh, maybe about a five to 10 mile an hour wind, so light and variable or whatever they call it, but uh, it'll be much colder this year than, uh, than last year. Yeah, when I ask you this question next year, you're going to be like, oh, it was so cold last year. It was unbearable. Well, you know, so. the good thing is we get two races in Vegas this year, so I'll get to do it again in the fall. 
Oh, that's true. That's true. So you can get screwed on, on both ends of it. You'll be cold here and then hot there. So. Yeah, it'll probably be like 120 for the next race or something. <laughs> uh, okay, that is going to do it for this NASCAR edition of On the Daily. For Nick Giffen on Twitter, at Rotodoc, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast powered by Rotoviz Radio. And special thanks to Randy E. Aguabo for the introduction. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email on the daily DFS at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at on the daily DFS. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. It's a big sale at half price books. Big sale at half price books. What's better than discovering the best in books, music, and movies at Half Price Books? Saving 20% on everything you find. That's right. Shop Half Price Books this Friday through Monday and get 20% off your entire HPB haul. Find what you love and what you didn't even know you were looking for. All for 20% off. This Friday through Monday at Half Price Books and HPB.com. Big sale at Half Price Books. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.